we're, we're going to continue today to talk some more about um, uh, philo and agape. Now, if you're new to this study, you're like, Did, is he speaking English? And, and so actually I'm not. That's, those are Greek words. Um, and I feel like just talking to the Lord about it, I feel like one of the reasons that we've lingered here is, number one, because of the importance of what it is that he's saying to us about these things. But number two is because these, these terms, these words, are a little bit foreign to us, words that we don't necessarily use every day, that it takes us a little while to become familiar with them. Now, when Jesus originally used these words, he, didn't, he wasn't speaking English language. He was speaking Greek, and the people who heard him when he used them knew exactly what he meant. But for us, you know, not so much. And I heard Brother Copeland teaching on this years ago, uh, not so much on agape and philo, but he was teaching on the, the, the word blessing. And it's interesting that Matt mentioned that this morning. The word blessing means empowered to prosper. And so you see throughout the scripture where the Bible says, and the Lord blessed them, and the Lord blessed them. He took some children up in his lap when the religious leaders, even the disciples, were saying, hey, get these kids away from Jesus. They're crawling all over him. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Allow them to come to me. And the Bible says he pulled them up in his lap and he did what? He blessed them. And so for us, we use that word bless and blessing, you know, like that's the prayer we say before the meal or something we say after somebody sneezes. And we, and we really don't understand the magnitude of, of that word. And, and our minds need to be renewed because when, when God blesses you, this means he empowers you um, in some way to do something that you could not otherwise do on your own. This is the, the blessing of the Lord. And so as Brother Copeland was teaching on that, he went back to um, a time in our history here in, in, in this nation. Anybody old enough to remember when we were going to change everything over to the metric system? Anybody remember that? Um, boy, that really caught on, didn't it, here? <laughs> now, it caught on in other places in the world, but, but it never really caught on here. And, and Brother Copeland said, the only way it'll ever catch on is if you cut somebody a stick a meter long and let them carry it around with them for a while. And, they, and, they, and in other words, they connect in their minds, you know, in real life, real time experience, how long a meter actually is. Or, or you know, I guess the, really the only one that we could probably comment on would be the two liter soda bottle right we at least know that but but notice we know roughly what two liters looks like because you know we've opened a coca-cola or a dr pepper or whatever and poured it you know in other words the the biblical terminology for that is by reason of use in other words you ever heard the expression it's the law of use if what you don't use you lose but if you use something and if you use it frequently enough you will become familiar with it, and, and it'll work its way into um, your everyday understanding. So you don't have to sit there and do the conversion in your head. You just automatically know um, that this is what it is, again, by reason of use. And so <clears throat> as we go back to this well one more time, at least this morning, and we're talking about um, the difference between philo and agape, we're going to build on some of the things, but we're also going to um, review some important things okay so this one is is just uh, I almost feel like it's my assignment from God to to say this to you father is weary of his children 
loving him but not trusting him. And we've said that love has its important place, but trust is the real currency of any relationship. If you're going to get things done through a relationship, it's going to involve or require trust. And if, if you take everything out of the Bible that has to do with uh, a relationship of some kind, there's not going to be much left. Okay? It's, the, the Bible is a book of relationships. The kingdom of God functions on this earth through uh, people being connected with one another and people being connected with God. And relationship is more of a general term. The, the real word is fellowship, um, communion with one another, where we, where we share and pour into one another's lives from the things and resources that Father God has given to, to us. Um, and so as important as, as you know, love having its place, um, we've got to take it to the next level in our connections with God, in our connection with God, in our connections with other people, because trust is, is how kingdom business gets done. Amen. I'm going to say that again. Trust is how kingdom business gets done. Uh, if I get there this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the money that we send to other people in places around the world so that the kingdom of God can be built there. And, and notice now that there has to be close enough fellowship between us and these men and women for us to be able to trust them, right? Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Um, and, and I wish I could tell you this wasn't the case, but there have been people um, in our lives with whom I have a relationship with, but as I tried to enter into fellowship with them to establish a greater level of trust, I realized that these were not necessarily the folks that, that we wanted to be sending money to. Uh, and that's no, I'm not judging their eternal destiny or any of that other stuff. It's just, you know, how they handle some things and, and weren't completely honest with me about some things. And so because there was no trust there, I, I didn't feel like it was something that we should be supporting, uh, at least with our finances. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So love is, has this important place, but trust is the real currency of any relationship. You can, you can love somebody and not trust them. Right? You probably have people in your life that, that you care for deeply, but you know, wouldn't give them your social security number and password to your checking account. And, and you know, so, amen. So we've talked about trust being the missing link between people who love God and people who live by faith. And there's a lot of folks in our world today who profess a love for God, but, but never really um, have developed any kind of trust in him to, uh, to, to walk by faith. And so I'm not going to review all this. If you were not here last week, I want to really encourage you. I, I feel like last week was one of the, um, and I'm not trying to hype this, I feel like last week was one of the more important sermons I've preached in my lifetime. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it, I, again, it's free. I'm not trying to sell you anything. It's, it's video, podcast, audio, however you want to access that. But we talked last week about this huge disconnect between people who love God um, but never do what he says. And we see that this problem began in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve and has progressed all the way up to present time. Now, we looked at many, many verses and commented on those verses along that way, but there are three from the New Testament that, that we've concentrated on, and that's where we'll begin with the Word this morning. And I'll put them on the screen. I'm going to go through these rather quickly. Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9 Jesus, quoting from the prophet Isaiah, he said, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, 
but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So again, they profess this love and, 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 and this commitment to God, but where the rubber meets the road, um, they still are doing their own thing. And then again, uh, Luke 6 and 46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? And, and we said that people were, were using this, this, this title for God, <laughs> Lord, right? Um, we, we sing about the name above every name, right? And, and every knee will bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. But there are many people in the body of Christ today, for that matter, just people in general, they're not born again. They use Lord in reference to Jesus as a pet name or as a term of endearment instead of title, you know, for the king of the universe, creator of the universe the only true and living God. This, this, is, this is our Lord. And again, this is speaking of this huge disconnect. You know, people call me Lord, Lord, but they do not do the things which I say. And so he's asking the question, why is this? And, and the answer is that they have a fondness in their heart for the Lord, which is by definition philo, but no agape in their lives for him. So related to this, when Jesus says in John 14 and 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you only understand love as philo, then you'll think he's trying to manipulate you. You'll, think, you'll hear it this way. If, if you really love me, you would. Well, that, that's not what he's saying here. What he's saying here is, if you agape me, keep my commandments. If you agape me, keep my commandments. Now, for those of us uh, who've been in this study already, this is review. For those of you who are new to it, um, let me uh, show it to you for the first time. Philo, translated in the English Bible, love, it speaks of warm, fond, affectionate feelings that we often associate with friendship. Okay? And this is what most people in our world today think of when they think of love. They, 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 they think of, you know, falling in love and, and, and having these feelings and getting caught up in these things and, and so forth and so on. Philo, listen, I, I think I've mentioned this once before, but let me say it again, okay? Philo is, is given to us by God. This, I'm not trying to act like Philo is, is a negative thing. Philo has its place. But where Philo becomes a problem is when we substitute Philo for agape and, and, and the body of Christ tends to be very strong on philo, but somewhat lacking when it comes to agape. Agape, also translated love in the English New Testament, it means to esteem. And that's, that's the part of this we're going to focus in on this morning. It means to esteem, indicating a direction of the will. See, if you value something, it's because you have chosen to value it. You do realize that you value things that other people do not value. Brother Keith Moore talks about, you know, landing in an airport in, in his plane, his ministry plane, and, and some of the airport uh, workers that work there in the, in the private hangars and terminals, they were over there mouthing, they thought out of earshot, but there were some people that travel with Brother Moore that, that heard them talk about, what's a preacher need with a plane? Well, that's whatever, you know. And, of course, these folks maybe not quite as spiritually mature as, as some others, and they were about ready to go, you know, straighten them out. Well, there were some insurance executives getting off a plane very similar 
to Brother Keith Moores. And he pointed out, he says, notice these, these folks aren't saying anything about them flying around the country in a plane. He says, and the answer is very simple. He says, they have no value for what we do. They, there's what the kingdom to them and, and someone dedicating their lives to travel the world to build God's kingdom, that, does, that didn't mean anything to those air, airplane workers. But insurance executives and insurance companies, that was something that they understood, that was something that they valued, okay? So when we talk about esteeming, we're, we're talking about the, when it says indicating um, a direction of the wheel, um, who decides what you value? Who decides what you prioritize? Who decides what is important to you and what's not important to you? You decide that for yourself. So that's one of the key things when we talk about agape is we're talking about an estimation, a value that we assign to a person or, and then the, the, the act of our will as it relates to that. And so agape then includes the ideas of obedience, duty, respect, devotion, service, and faithfulness. All right? And so I believe, do you see, let's go back to where we started this morning, okay? Um, when Brother Copeland was talking about you gotta, you gotta walk around with a stick a meter long if you're ever gonna figure out what a meter is, okay? How many of you in here know that a foot's about that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You understand foot, you understand a yard, that a, that a yard is three of those, right? So, you know, yards about like this. Or we can, you know, so you can look at something and say, well, that's about two and a half feet or, or what have you. Be because you're familiar with it, you've used it by reason of use. So I want us to become so familiar with, let me put it back up here, I want us to become so familiar with this that we recognize the difference. Not so much that if I gave you a written test, you could fill out everything, but that you understand that there's a difference between Jesus having a place in your heart and, and Jesus having a place in your life. Philo is him having a place in your heart where you, man, he just has a special place in my heart, Pastor Mark. And, and see, this was, Peter's the classic example of all this for us to learn from. Because when Peter vowed that he would die with the Lord, Philo was talking there and he meant every word of it. He meant every word of that. This is, this is why um, when we have Philo but no agape, you know, we, 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 well, we wonder why we're not growing more and developing more and maturing more in the things of God. Because Jesus, you know, Jesus had a special place in our heart when we were sitting in church and he had a special place in our, in our heart still while we were doing things we had no business doing anymore, committing sin. And it's like, man, what, you know, so agape, agape, agape. So I believe philo for Jesus without agape for Jesus is one of the biggest problems we have today in the body of Christ. And, and I, I don't want to sound like the old dude in the room and I don't want to sound like some crotchety old preacher. That's not, that's not what I'm saying, okay? But for those of you who've had your thumb on the pulse of the body of Christ for some time and, and, and you can understand what I'm saying, the gap between philo for Jesus and agape for Jesus is getting wider. Is getting wider, okay? Um, and so, Pastor Mark, how, how, how could you dare say something like that? Uh, just based upon the commitment that people have um, to the Lord and to his things and, and to his house and to his service. Um, are, you, are you following me? Okay. So I'm not, I'm not saying that to throw rocks. Um, 
I'm just saying that this is something that we need to be aware of that I believe the Holy Spirit is breathing on and emphasizing now um, uh, where we're concerned. So let me do a little bit of review, then we'll get some new stuff, okay? Philo without agape creates an emotional connection to Jesus that seems strong and durable, but is actually weak and shallow, all right? So Philo for Jesus without agape for him will deceive you into believing you trust him far more than you actually do. And, and I believe um, it's somewhere deeper in my notes, but it just keeps jumping up in my heart right now, so let's talk about it now. The, the last two years, and, and this has been the word of the Lord for us, and I believe it's been the word of the Lord for the entire body of Christ, but the last two years have exposed some deficiencies in the body of Christ. Amen. It's exposed some things that, that needed to be exposed. Because there's a way that seems right, but the Bible says that that way leads to death. It leads to destruction. So to be deceived means to think something is one way when it's actually another way. It's, you believe something's right that's not right. And if you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be. And so when I say the events of the last two years, you know, there's been a lot that's gone on the last two years. Um, and, and one of the ones has to do with um, uh, obviously COVID but then there was a, a lot of racial unrest in, in, in our country and then there was a lot of political unrest in our company in our company, in our country and then there was a lot of economic uncertainty and unrest so, so obviously you know how all those things come have come together and and what's you know happening but when i say it's exposed some things in the body of christ is you know we find out just how much we've put our trust in money when our financial security seems to be threatened are you following what i'm saying in other words we it's very easy to talk about how much we trust god okay uh, but then when something that we've really put our trust in is threatened, it tends to expose where our trust really lies. Are you with me? See, I mean, everybody's sitting around waiting for the government to solve the COVID problem. You, you, you see what I'm saying? And, and I'm, listen, I'm not, we need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray that, 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 that these folks will have wisdom. And I'm, I'm not, if you think I'm bad-mouthing them, I'm not. But the reality of it is this. There are all kinds of things, issues that are not only currently taking place on planet Earth, but according to Jesus, more to come, that mankind, political, economical, social, whatever, has no answer for. Has no answer for. Clueless as to how to fix it. I'm not, I'm not trying to scare any of you. I'm, I'm certainly not trying to scare any parents in this room. But the effect that COVID has had on, I'm just going to say, public education in, in this country. Um, you know, when students didn't have to go to school, <laughs> in other words, are you following what I'm saying? Now, they, now it, it's, it's reset their whole mindset towards school and education. And, and the thing about education, did I mention I don't want to sound like that old crotchety guy in the room, right? But our children learn a whole lot more than reading, writing, and arithmetic. 
in school, right? Discipline and diligence and focus and, and actually having to do something you don't want to do, but, you know, demand placed on your potential, respect for authority, conflict resolution. I mean, just there's all of these life skills that are developed with, with, within a learning educational community There's a ripple effect to all of this because this, this is how the enemy works, this is how the devil works. So I could talk about that on and on, but, and we have in the past, but the simple thing that I'm trying to, to point out to you is that what's happened in the last two years in, in this country, and for that matter in the world, it's, ex, it's exposed some things that uh, wise men and women um, are, are going to take note of and, and realize, wow, we... We, we need to seek God here. We, we need to um, ask him to help us uh, so that we will be better prepared for the things that are to come. Amen. All right, so Philo focuses on how you feel about someone. Agape focuses on how you esteem someone and what you're willing to do for them based upon that estimation. Okay, let me just real quick, like, what time is it? Okay, we still got some time. Y'all good? Yeah? All right. So, Philo is rooted in our feelings for Jesus. Philo is rooted in our feelings for Jesus. Agape is rooted in our choices to hear him, follow where he leads, and do what he says. Doing what God says requires trusting him. Doing what God says requires, here's that word again, esteeming him and his ways above yourself and your ways. So philo without agape will deceive you into thinking you've given God a place in your life that you have not given him. And again, I think that's one of the things that the last two years uh, in this country has uh, exposed. Let, let, me, let me just, praise God. For some reason I'm quoting Brother Moore a lot this morning, but, but he said something years ago that has stuck in my heart and mind. He said, never underestimate how quickly your flesh will get used to not going to church. Right? Amen. 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 Now, again, I, this, just hear me, okay? We need to be led by the Spirit. When, when surges come, if the Holy Spirit... Uh, lead you to to stay at home and and worship online then you need to do that are you hearing me you you need to do that so pastor mark that that doesn't sound like something you would say listen if we know anything about covid is that it affects people differently am i right about this some folks get covid never know they had it some folks get covid and are dead in 10 days so to, to make one blanket statement for everybody, that, that's, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and biblically for this, um, when Herod and, and, and his uh, thugs were trying to kill Jesus, the Lord told Joseph to go quarantine in Egypt. 
Now that was, see, again, you think, well, God's so scared he ran. No, he wasn't running. He was obeying. Now, again, see, this is the wisdom of God. I'm sitting there going, well, you mean, Father, you couldn't have protected your own boy? He was protecting him by telling him to go to Egypt. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you seeing what I'm saying, right? So you know, if we're not careful, you know, we, we can be foolish. And, um, you know, I've heard people talk about John G. Lake and, and viruses dying on his hands. I agree with every bit of that, okay? But you better make sure you're walking where John G. Lake was walking. Are you, are you, are you hearing me? Amen. And if you are, then so be it. Is this okay? All right. So, you know, um, but here's the ultimate comment I'm trying to make. There have been a lot of folks that were very faithful to church before COVID. When I say church, either online or coming. Now Sunday's just become another Saturday. Getting quiet up in here. And here's the thing that I guarantee you, every one of them will tell you. Jesus still has a very special place in my heart, Pastor Mark. I don't question whether he does or not. But that's philo. That's not agape. Agape is the value you place on someone and then your response to what they desire, what they say, what they want. Are you following me? Okay. I'm just, I'm wanting to make it plain. I'm trying to make this, as, because it's too important for us not to understand it, okay? Now, amen. So Philo speaks of a place in your heart for the Lord. Agape speaks of the place you give him in your daily choices and actions. Now, here's the real, I think, kind of the, the segue of combining what we're talking about now with what we've been talking about all year. Philo alone will never teach you to trust God, but agape can and will teach you to trust him. Agape for another person is based upon the way you value them. Okay? So, we, remember, in, throughout our whole study of learning to trust God, we've, we've drawn comparisons between learning to trust other people and how there's similarities between learning to trust other people and learning to trust God. And so, ultimately, our... Um, our, our ability to trust another person, our willingness, maybe we should say it this way, to trust another person, has everything to do with our estimation of that person. Are you following me? Let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's do, so agape for another person, but it's also true of God. Okay, that's maybe I should just say that for now and keep moving, okay? Agape for another person or agape for our Heavenly Father is based upon the way you value them not how you feel about them or how they make you feel. Agape for another person is based upon the way you value them and is expressed in actions based upon that valuation. Okay? See, again, Philo is the one we're most um, familiar with, and so that has to do with feelings and, and how... This was something the Lord was just showing me recently, kind of in addition to all this, and I hope you, in your own experience, can distinguish between the two. How you feel about someone, but then how that person makes you feel. Are you understanding? This is not bad. 
this is not bad, okay? I mean, I get wind in my sails just being around you folks. You know, are you following what I'm saying? I mean, I, I can drag in here tired and had a rough week, and man, just seeing some of your smiling faces makes me feel better. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's, that is God-designed. Amen. Are you following me? Okay. So it's, Philo then is about how you feel about somebody and how that person or people, how they make you feel. Okay. But see, we've we got to understand, agape doesn't work like that. Agape for another person is not based upon how they make you feel. It's based upon how you value them as, a, as directed by your will. In other words, the choice that you make to value that person. And it's, and it's then expressed in actions, not words. Remember, remember now, um, when, we, when we express it in words, that's philo-based praise. Again, nothing wrong with that. Please, we did it this morning. Okay. But telling God how special he is to you, telling God how much you love him, telling God what an what a awesome God he is and the special place he has in your heart, all of that's praise, do it, keep doing it, okay? But that without agape is going to get you in trouble. That without agape is going to leave you stunned and speechless when life on a cursed planet punches you in the gut. You're going to be like, I, th I thought you loved me. All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 to, to really emphasize this point. 2 Corinthians 5 and 14. Amen. I almost just started here, but I really felt like we needed to go back through some of that. And obviously, we've added some things along the way. 2 Corinthians ch chapter 5 and verse 14. Now, some of you are probably familiar with verse 17. I don't have that one on the screen. Verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man's in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But you never begin a sentence with therefore. Therefore means in light of what's come before this. And so let's look at what's come before this. 2 Corinthians 5 and 14, he says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus. That means we've reached a... Judge means not that you've looked down your nose at somebody and pointed out their faults. Here, judge means we've reached this conclusion. We've come to this um, solid determination. The love of Christ compels us because we have come to this understanding, this determination, that if one died for all, then all died. Now, this is speaking of the uh, substitutionary work of Jesus. He didn't just die for you, he died as you. Okay? And he wasn't just raised for you, but when he was raised from the dead, the Bible says we were all raised together with him. When he was seated at the Father's right hand, we were all seated together with him. When we were born physically on this planet, the Bible says we were born from the corrupted seed of Adam. When we were born a second time, we were born of the incorruptible seed of the word of God and became new creations. So that's what he's referencing here when he says, if one died for all, then all died. Verse 15, and he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Are you seeing the agape in verse 15? Not, he's not saying that you do have or don't have warm, fond, affectionate feelings. He's just saying in light of the price that's been paid for you, 
that the proper response is, my life's not my own to do with as I please, but I'm going to live for him who died for me and rose again. <clears throat> Verse 16, therefore, so in light of these personal experiences and understandings, from now on, line in the sand, this point forward, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him, thus no longer. Now, the simple understanding of verse 16 is that there was more to Jesus than met the eye. Am I right about this? In, in other words, you, you just looked at him. He, you know, the Bible even says that there was really nothing about his physical appearance that stood out from anybody else. In Jesus' day and time, um, the name Jesus was as common as the name John. Are you, are you hearing me? It, 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 in other words, the Bible says the, the comeliness and all this. It wasn't like he was, and I'm sure he was a handsome man, don't misunderstand me, but it wasn't like you know, he had movie star looks and was three feet taller than everybody else and walked around you know, with some kind of glow, um, you know, physical light glow or something like that. I mean, he was Jesus. He was one of us. He became one of us. And they said, you know, we don't regard anyone according to the flesh, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, but we know him thus no longer. So what is he saying? He's saying in the same way there was more to Jesus than his outward appearance, there's more to every other human being on planet earth than their outward appearance. Now, let's unpack some of this. Can we do it for a few minutes? Oh, can we? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Somebody said, can we do it next week? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right. No, let's go for it just a minute, okay? For the love of Christ compels us. Anybody dare to guess what that word love there is? Agape, okay? This isn't philo. Did Jesus have philo? Yes, he did. In John, I think, 15th chapter, he, he said, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. Okay? So Jesus had agape and he had philo. But now here in this particular um, passage, the agape of Christ compels us. If you're looking at the King James Version this morning, you're probably looking at the word constraineth. Okay? When he says the agape of Christ compels constrains me what is he saying paul is literally saying that based upon his understanding of the tremendous love that god has for him right that this translates into i'm getting ahead of myself if one died for all then all died what is he saying he's saying the same love that i've come to understand um, god has for me he says now i'm realizing that god has the same love for everybody it wasn't that Paul was special. He was special, but you're special too, in that sense. In other, in other words, Paul realized, you know what? He doesn't just love me this much. He loves everybody this much. He didn't just pay this tremendous price for me. He paid this tremendous price for everybody. If one died for all, then all died. So it was his understanding of this. Now, his notice his estimation, his value of these things how precious they were to him this left him no other option but to live his life a certain prescribed way i use the example if you if you've been bowling in recent times now some of the more modern bowling alleys you can push a button and and these things come up out of the of the sides of the bowling alley bowling lane so that you cannot bowl a gutter ball and it's designed for children 
and older children who never bowled, I guess, right? But, but, but see, listen to me now. Those bumpers compel and constrain the bowling ball to the pins. If it, if it goes too far this way, it bounces back this way. If it goes too far this way, it bounces it back this way. Paul said, the agape of Jesus operating in my life now compels me on a mission that I have a really hard time veering off from. If the same price was paid for all, then Father must value or esteem us all the same. Are you seeing that? If the price was ultimate and he paid it for each one of us, then the value, the agape, remember agape, this is, this is the agape Jesus has for us. Notice it's based upon what? Esteem. Are you seeing this? Oh, sweet Jesus, help me right here. This is so important. Let's go back to it. Oh, we're still there. The love of Christ compels us. The agape of Christ cons- com- compels us. What does agape mean? Agape is an, based upon an estimation, a value that's reached, an act of the will. We, we sing of his love for us, and because we're so familiar with Philo, we sing of the love that God has for us, and we imagine it to be, because our Philo for him is sometimes Philo only, we think his, his love for us is Philo only. And this is why when we go do something ignorant that we shouldn't do, I started to say it starts with S-T-U-P-I-D, right? But we go do something that we shouldn't do, right, because... We think of his love for us as philo. Now, all of a sudden, we think he's mad. We think he doesn't love us anymore. We think we've disappointed him. We think we've let him down. Because, again, see, that's how philo works. It it, it rises and falls with what's going on around you. Yes, he has philo for you, but let me give you some even better news. He has agape for you. His love for you is not based upon what you've done that may make him feel a certain way at some season in your life. He loved you while you were still a sinner. He agaped you. What does this mean? It means that he he acknowledges his responsibility for you. He recognizes that, that what he does for you, he doesn't just do it because how you make him feel. He does it because he senses a, a duty for you. Are you seeing this? He's responsible for you and he, he acknowledges that. See, we, we think his feelings for us are just as fickle as ours for him or for other people. My friend, that, that's, that's philo. That's not agape. He has agape for you. He's committed to you. He, he, is, he is determined. He who began a good work in you is committed, determined to see it through to the end. So as Paul is understanding that Jesus has that kind of agape for him, listen, Philo, <laughs> Philo for his father may could have kept him on that cross, but remember what Jesus said, Lord, if there's any way that this cup could pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. What is he doing right there? That's not Philo for his father. That's agape for his father. That's valuing his father. That's, that's esteeming the, the will of his father, the desires of his father, the plan of his father more important than whatever he's dealing with in that particular moment, that particular situation. 
So the agape of Christ compels us. If the same price was paid for all, then Father must value or esteem us all the same. So the word regard, notice he says, um, from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. Let me finish this and and then we'll, we'll be through for the day, okay? This word regard, guess what it means? It means to evaluate, to determine the worth, to esteem, right? And so what is he saying? From, this, from now on, we value other people, not according to the flesh. We regard other people, not according to the flesh. Our estimation of their worth is, is not according to the way they look. It's not according to the way they act. And it's not according to what they may have or what they may not have. See, Philo considers all that stuff. Agape doesn't. Okay? Listen to me now. we got to get this out of the body of Christ, okay? We need some agape in the body of Christ, all right? Because let me tell you what Philo does. Philo places a higher value on people who make us feel loved. Philo places a higher value on people who make us feel accepted. Philo places a higher value on people who give us joy, make us feel good about ourselves. How about this one? You like being around people who make you feel important? See, Philo Philo gravitates towards all of that. This is why the church has become so uh, self-focused and self-centered. We've become uh, us-minded instead of others-minded. As a family of faith, you may know this, you may not know this, all right, as a family of faith, we have given hundreds of thousands of dollars. I, I, I haven't, I didn't do the math, but in the last 20 plus years, I'm, I'm safe to say, I feel comfortable in saying that millions, okay? But let me just keep it at hundreds of thousands. As a family of faith, we have given hundreds of thousands of dollars to reach people we don't know, never be in this building, that we'll probably never meet or even see until one day in heaven. All right? Okay? Why? Because the agape of Christ compels us. Because we value and esteem those precious people and their souls the way our Father values and esteems those precious people and their souls. It's not about how that makes us feel one way or the other. I'm not saying that the feelings, you know, if, if that makes you feel happy or glorious or excited, then yeah, it should. But we, we don't do that based upon how that makes us feel. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, you can have philo in your heart for the lost and never write a check. Stand with me, praise God. You can have philo in your heart, but you know, you, you can listen to a missionary, missionary tell some sad stories and, and cry real tears. Never write a check. Never tell anybody about Jesus. Never even make a phone call and invite somebody to church. Are you seeing this? Right. That's philo. Philo will have you crying over the desperate situations in this world, but only agape is going to motivate you to do something about it. To see what the Lord would have you do in response to these things. 
So here's the bottom line of what we're trying to get to this morning. Trusting another person is directly connected to your esteem of them. If we hold someone in high regard, are we more likely or less likely to trust them? You see? Somebody that you really respect and really admire, are you more likely to trust that person or less likely? So you're more likely to trust them because you value them, you esteem them, you recognize whatever it is about that person. So now notice how our trust follows that estimation. Are you more likely or less likely to follow the advice of someone that you highly regard, that you have tremendous respect and admiration for? You see, again, you're more likely to do, notice how esteem, trust, trust as it's reflected in doing what that person says. Am I right about this? So what's the problem then when it comes to trusting God our Father? Where's the root of it? The root of it is in our estimation of him. The root of it is that it's very easy for Philo to deceive us into calling him Lord without ever doing anything that he says. So our trust in God then is directly connected to our esteem of him. Listen to me, please, and I'm going to pray. It's the last thing I'm going to say. I'm going to pray, okay? <clears throat> Do not let the philo that you have in your heart for the Lord trick you into thinking that none of this applies to you. That's what's been happening. That's what's been happening. Philo in your heart for the Lord can convince you that it's okay if you do this when the Lord said don't do it or if you don't do this when the Lord said do it. It can trick you into thinking that it's okay and that there are any consequences. This is why he says do not be deceived. God will not be mocked whatever you sow. See, Philo will have you making a mockery out of the word of God the spiritual laws that he's put in place to bless you. Don't let that happen, my friend. Father, you're good to us. Thank you for the men and women in this room. Thank you for the men and women that are watching us online. Father, thank you that, that you are building a powerful company of believers here at Heritage Christian Center, Lord, to make a difference in this world, in our families, in, in our schools, on our jobs, in our communities, Father. But Lord, also, um, as, as it goes outward into different places uh, in this nation, and then, Father, even overseas, uh, the partners that you have brought to us, Lord, that we work together with, and we pray uh, for our partners in uh, the different places around the world, and we're so thankful, Lord, that even through um, all that, that we uh, experienced in COVID, Father, that we were not only able to to uh, continue to bless them and sow into what they're doing financially, but Lord, we actually added some folks and, and, and are, are blessing them now as well. And so Lord, um, thank you uh, that you're helping us understand the difference between philo and agape, how that responds to and relates to our, our learning to trust you. And Father, may we individually evaluate these things in our own lives. And Father, may, may we... Sweet Jesus. 
look at me, please. Look at me just a minute. All right, then I'm, I'm just going to say this, and then we'll say amen, okay? If you'll get still before the Lord, there are a lot of people listening to me right now that he has spoken to you some time ago about something that you, you need to do. And you've made excuses, you've said you can't, you've said you're not worthy, you've said that you don't know anything about that, whatever, okay? And, and your growth and development has not only been hindered, in, but in some cases it's been stuck at that, at that one point. Remember, he can only take you as far as your trust in him will allow, okay? And so, Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit that you would begin to speak to people once again remind them Lord in some cases it's been years and years and years ago Lord Father the thing that next thing that next step that you would have them to take it's not about philo it's about agape Lord and I pray that you would show and speak to men's and women's hearts Lord about these things and Lord we believe that by faith these steps are going to be taken these phone calls are going to be made these um gifts are going to be given these apologies are going to be offered um lord it's just all kinds of stuff all kinds of different stuff different people um, but lord that that we would do it out of our respect and admiration for you hallelujah hallelujah father we pray these things in jesus name amen and amen thank you so much for being here this morning for those of you who have Man, look around, just a great crowd. I kept getting people call, telling me we're out of town, out of town, out of town, so, um, but a whole bunch of folks in town. Amen. You be blessed. Have a great rest of your day and a wonderful uh, week next week.